This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. It's your club and this is your show. City's treble dream is dead, but the title race is still in their hands and the double dream is alive and well. The relentless schedule appeared to have caught up with the squad at Wembley last week when they suffered a disappointing 3-2 defeat at the hands of Liverpool and exited the FA Cup at the semi-final stage for the third season running. But on Wednesday night, Kevin De Bruyne's return inspired City as they ultimately romped with a 3-0 win over Brighton, although the night wasn't without its nervy moments. There's no time to rest as City welcomes struggling Watford to the Etihad on Saturday before the first leg of a mammoth Champions League semi-final with Real Madrid in midweek. On today's Blooming Podcast we'll be discussing all of that and we'll also be heading down under to catch up with former City defender Spencer Pryor. I'm Dan Burke filling in on hosting duties for David Moody this week and I'm joined by two solid blues in Kieran Clark right. and Kieran Murray. Hello. How are we both doing? Kieran, you've uh, you've you've lost your voice but it's it's not sounding too bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll I'll have to apologise to the uh, to the listeners in advance in case that bollocks has to talk any more shite just over there. <laughs> A touching tribute to our dearly departed Sean Dyche there. Here. Absolutely. <laughs> have you been eating worms to get that gravel in your voice? <laughs> well, Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> <laughs> and Kieran, you've been off to the dentist this morning, so it's been a, a rough day for us all, I guess. Uh, I have been off, yes. It was the, rougher on my pocket when I realised they were charging me 95 quid for it, but um, I'm slightly I'm slightly uh, rough from the pints at the Etihad last night as well. Uh, so going for a dentist appointment first thing and then having to listen to you two, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's already sending me under and we were only a couple <laughs> of minutes in. <laughs> well, it's only going to get worse from here. Well, David Mooney must be freaking out at the thought of us three, like, thinking, can they actually burn down a podcast? Yeah, we are going to let him down as well, aren't we? That's exactly what we're going to do, yeah. <laughs> well, we've got loads to talk about today. Uh, first of all, we're going to get uh, stuck into the the review section of the podcast, then we'll do the preview section of the podcast. Uh, we're going to look back at the, the Liverpool and Brighton games uh, first of all, I want to take a little bit of a, uh, a temperature check on the, the title race and the pressure that we're all feeling. Uh, Kieran, how are you dealing with it? Um, you're going to have to differentiate between the Kierans here, Dan. <laughs> I'm going, your, from now on, you're Kieran and Casey is Casey. Okay, yeah, good. So you want to know how I'm dealing with it? Yes. Um, n- not too great, not too well, um, but last night was a bit of a soother, certainly in the second half. Um it is anxiety-inducing. Uh, it feels like we've been here before, and it is a sort of repeat of two or three years ago. And you just you just don't want that. The fun that you have in being a City supporter and being a football fan kind of goes out the window because it's not fun. It's just nerves <laughs> and taking it game by game and trying to get through and hoping that they slip up at some point. Uh, so, yeah, it is. It's it's really, really nerve-wracking at the moment. But last night last night was good. Last night kind of like put a few uh, nerves to bed. Six more to go. Yeah, yeah but ju- during during that first half, though, obviously me and you stood next to each other. But, I mean, people all around us were like, like you you and, you, you, were, you were jittery yourself like throughout that first half. Oh, but massively jittery, ra- yeah. Yeah, but, pe- but people round and about us were like, just, you know, just thought, oh, like, you know, it was the worst thing ever. And I, I thought we played quite well, quite well during that first half. <laughs> I thought we played quite well, but it was just, there was ju- there just seemed to be no payoff for the playing well. Um, and but, then half Bra- time was Bra- a bit... Brighton, Brighton are a good side. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to break them down easily. You know, yeah. they, they are well coached and they cause us problems in other years, but we always have broke them down. Um, like, it, it always felt the result was going to come last night, but I think... Yeah. 
yeah, throughout throughout the first half, and especially chatting to like lads having half time pints around about people were just like, Oh god, oh here we go again, we're dropping points. Mm. This is gonna be like the <laughs> palace game. So yeah, I think I think I think people just just judging from the atmosphere in the ground, pe- people's yeah. people's asses are going a bit. Mm. Yeah, I think if it was any other point in the season, you wouldn't really mind a first half performance like that. It wasn't that bad at all, really. You know, they were knocking on the door. It was it was looking okay, wasn't it, really? But the situation as it is, my my head was hanging on by a string at half time. I was <laughs> I was I was losing it. Um, yeah. Do you think, Casey, that that history is repeating itself this season with the eighteen nineteen season all over again? You know, we won that one by one point. I keep thinking Liverpool are going to drop points. I'm not sure they are anymore. I think maybe if we're if we're going to win it, maybe we've got to win every game. Yeah, I, I I think if we if we are going to win it, we're going to have to win every game. Um, and it's it's it is horrible. Like like Kieran's right. Um, and and you, you just you just you just hope it, it is you just hope that them gobshites just drop points this weekend <laughs> in the derby, don't you? Because like it, 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 like it's really bad when you when you when you want in this Everton team to do something for you because they're absolutely atrocious. <laughs> so uh so it's just yeah I, like I, I know why people are nervy because I, I think I think especially after last Sunday um that was a massive opportunity wasn't it because we just we, in my opinion we we battered them and we played them off the park and they still got away with the 2-2 two, two. and I think if 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 it had been the other way around and like uh you know it'd have been a cagey game and like a nil nil and we'd have got away with it i think people would have people would have been thinking all oh, right that's okay that's a good point in the bag but i think the fact that that game sort of got away from us i think that's made people's heads go a bit worse yeah yeah i think pep's choice of language when he says that we we let them alive they just wouldn't die i think that's the kind of way i feel about it they they won't die in any competition and they just they've got such unbelievable resilience and momentum and it just I think we really could have damaged them and took the wind out of their seals a little bit the other Sunday uh, and and we just didn't and then unfortunately I think the momentum swung a bit back in their favour when we saw how easily they kind of demolished us in the first half of, in the semi-final you know Yeah it's like David Moody was saying to us the other day actually he was saying that uh, you know it, we, we've been looking at Liverpool's run into the end of the season thinking surely they can't win every game surely that that winning streak has got to be broken at some point. We broke the winning streak a couple of weeks ago and, and now they seem to have, have gone up another gear, haven't they? And seem to be yeah. ploughing onto the end of the season, which is very annoying. And I, I'm not expecting Everton to do us any favours this weekend. That's one game that I'm looking at that seems like a, a real gimme for Liverpool, but we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, let's look back now at, at City's performance against Liverpool at Wembley last week in that 3-2 defeat in the FA Cup semi-final. We'll have a look at that one and then we can uh, we can treat ourselves to the Brighton game for dessert, I guess. <laughs> uh, uh, Kieran, what was the result in this game disappointing for you or was it to be expected coming as it did three days after that uh, that bruising encounter with Atletico Madrid? Um, I'm not going to lie to you, Dan. I'm of course disappointed, but I think in that big scary run that we had where it was uh, Atletico-Liverpool, Atletico-Liverpool, of the four, um, the one that, you know, if you had to choose one to lose, and I'm I'm not saying I wanted to lose a semi-final in the FA Cup because I love the Cup, but looking at it and looking at it in the context of what actually did happen, I suppose that's the one that we could kind of let give away if we want to go for the big two of the Premier League and the Champions League. Um, Knowing how bruising the encounter was with Atletico last week, um, didn't Pep say the medical staff had to do 71 treatments? (laughs) Yeah. 71 treatments after that game. Um, And that was just Phil Foden. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> and Jack Grealish's hair follicles. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, it's... In the context of things, I would never, ever have wanted to lose that, that semi-final. Really, really wanted to. And in the build-up to those four games, I was thinking we need to win every single one of these. Um, but the way it's fallen, um, we're, we're in the semi-final of the Champions League and we're still ahead in the Premier League. So if you're going to let one fall by the wayside, I, I, I guess I guess it's going to have to be the cup. Um, that, that Atletico game was so mentally and physically taxing on the players and it just felt a little bit like the semi-final was maybe one step too far. Three mm. two was a good, you know, a good result on paper, really, given the, the the first half performance. Really, I thought. Yeah, it wasn't really a true reflection of the game, was it? Though, KC, do you think yeah. the the performance w- was good enough here from City, or did they did they kind of phone it in a little bit? I, I I had the sense that they didn't quite dig deep enough for me at times. Yeah, like obviously the first the first half, like like we were really really poor in that first half. But having said that, all all three goals were poor defensive errors, which which is really disappointing. You know, if you think if you think you know if if Aki just heads that first one away or Stefan just doesn't have an absolute mare, yeah. then you think we're still alive and in that game. And you think if it, if it's not like that Mane finish for the third was incredible, but again poor defensively. We just think if that if that Grealish goals come comes at one nil or two nil. Then, then we're still alive and we go for it. But I, I don't think Pep thought it was worth winning in the second half because if he did, then De Bruyne definitely would have come on. Because like the game was opening up for it to be there for a counter attack, and it obviously De Bruyne's our best counter attacker, um, and it just didn't seem that that we wanted it, um, which was disappointing. It's understandable, obviously, because De Bruyne was kicked to King, Kingdom Come, you know, against Atletico Madrid. So it's understandable why he didn't play, but you just think if if that's if that's a Champions League game, do I think Pep manages that second half like that, even with the players available, and there's just no chance in the world that he does? Yeah, yeah. It almost felt to me like they got it back to three one, and we're like, okay, we'll we'll just accept a three one defeat now. Then that doesn't sound yeah. too bad. And then the, the the second goal came late in the game, and they were like, oh, so we have to sort of go for it now, I guess, because we weren't expecting to score a second goal. It was almost like it wasn't part of the plan. Like they just kind of. Almost like they shook hands on a defeat at, at half time and said, "Let's just sort of get out of here with our our dignity intact." Mm. Um, you mentioned that uh, that that Zach Stefan blunder for the second goal. Uh, Kieran, was this the first major black mark against his name? Do you think, or, or have you had some doubts about him before? Uh, the first major black mark was when he picked up a back pass against yeah, Chelsea that's what last I was season. Say, yeah. <laughs> um, and you just thought, "Oh, oh my God, this man doesn't know the, the rules of uh, of the game." Um, Listen, you've always you've always sort of felt a bit dodgy about him, surely. Um, it, because Ederson is so sort of head and shoulders above him and Ederson's such a, an intrinsic part of the mechanism of City, how we play, um, and, you know, because of the things that he does in terms of his kicking and his, like, calmness under pressure when he's getting pressed and all the mad stuff he does where he's at the halfway line, like... You just look at Ederson and he's such a notable, brilliant goalkeeper. Um, and Stefan is just, unfortunately, a, a big step down. And I I, th- I think we've had it for a while now where the, our second goalkeeper just isn't up to scratch. Um, but what can you do? I mean, he's, he, he's going to just p- play in cup games and, and that's really it. And if the worst would happen with our, our main keeper getting injured. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I do feel a bit dodgy about him. I think he's a decent enough shot stopper and... It's distribution. But that's not I mean, what. But that's not what we need. I know. I know. But 
like like yeah. like um can could you see Bazunu coming in as the number two next year because well, he's back from loan I would quite I would quite like to see him given a shot. I think it's probably a bit too early for him now. Um but surely we're keeping an eye on him because his performances for Ireland have been incredible. Um like he's an unbelievable young goalkeeper and I would love to see him given a shot. Um but I don't know, do you think Stefan will be persecuted enough that he'll never play again? Or will it just be like, yeah, that was a blip in a game that Pep didn't seem to really want to massively win anyway? So no, I, 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 I think he will play again, but I think if you asked 99% of City fans, most of them wouldn't want to see him play again after that. I know. His, 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 his head completely went. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was almost like a Loris, Loris Carius moment, wasn't it? <laughs> like, it was that bad. It was just, his, his head absolutely went. But at the same time, he, he should never have been playing in that game. Like, I know he's your second. I know he's your second goalkeeper, but it's, but it's Liverpool, and it's not like Edison needs a rest, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want him to play really after the after the Southampton game in the last the last round. He had a, a bit of a dodgy moment on the goal there, didn't he? And I thought let's just let's just play Edison every game now if we if we want to win all the trophies. That's what we got to do. But but Casey, do you think a goal like that one has, has been kind of inevitable for a while, given how we play, given how much pressure Edison is under when the the ball goes back to him? Sometimes I feel, I feel like something like that could have happened to him at some stage. It nearly happened against Liverpool last week. Yeah, I, that that one that everyone keeps going on about. Like, I I don't think that that was ever a worry. Like that one that went back on the line. Like, I, I know it, I know it went on the line, but like he was always in control of everything because the guy is a freak. Like he's an, <laughs> yeah. he's a, like he's he's an absolute like you know he's not got blood in his veins. I don't know what the hell's up with him, but like <laughs> ju- like like when that happened, it's like I said to you at half time, Karen. Just because we're all shit houses doesn't mean he's a shit house and didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> Yeah. Like, like, the, like he he wasn't worried or out of control of what his body was doing at any point in that. Yeah. So, uh, whereas like Stefan was just like, like say if one of us got it caught under our feet, but he was he was obviously I, I don't know it seemed like he was emboldened by Edison, but then just completely just balls it up. It was mm. it was shocking. Do you think he should have done better with the third goal, maybe KC, or was that just a great finish that? I, I think I, I think I, I think like Mane is arguably one of the best finishers in the world but even still if you give him that a hundred more times I think he I think he, he, he struggles to do that again yeah. it was just an absolute incredible finish I think it was more the defending leading up to it and I know as well like uh, people were saying that Stefan should have just come out and easily collected the you know for the first goal but for me uh, Aki just got under that and I know people like, I think Aki's been really good lately yeah um yeah. in the past few games but that is that for me I think he's because people are giving Stefan so much stick. They're sort of letting Aki away with how how bad that was, considering how good he is in the air. He just he just got caught ball watching when you watch it back. He just stood under it, just on his heels. Um, so so for me, you know, obviously the, the it, it just does boil down to the madness of that second one. Really, what do you make of the uh, the team selection overall, Kieran? Do you think it was about right under the circumstances, or or did Pep get it wrong? Uh do you know what, Dan? I I do think it was about right under the circumstances, barring the um, the Stefan inclusion. Um, I think, given what we know about what happened in Atletico at the uh, um, in Madrid, yeah. uh, I couldn't think of Atletico Stadium. <laughs> Did you pick that up? <laughs> um, the Wanda Metropolitano. The Wanda Metropolitano. Yes, exactly that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, given what we know, what happened there. 
um, and how kind of like mentally bruised some of the players were and how physically bruised and the fact that De Bruyne had stitches in his feet and uh, Walker was like, I think we, we needed to go with a sort of... But like our, second, our second string team has some brilliant names and some world-class players, so we should have been able to carry it off. I just, I think he had to go the way he went, but the, the goalkeeper decision probably, well, you know, demonstrably cost us. See, see, I, I, I think, I think he he got the team selection wrong in Madrid, and then that had a negative knock-on effect because, oh, especially after the Liverpool, yeah, 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 like especially after the Liverpool game, like I know De Bruyne's our best player, but he was completely, absolutely blowing out of his ass during that Liverpool <laughs> game, and for me, there's no, there's no way on earth he should have been starting like against Atletico. I think he should have been saved for like the last 30 minutes of that game when the game is going to be stretched and they're going to go for it, possibly go against him on the counter, rather than playing him at the start where you know, we were always going to be in control of the first half and have the ball. Uh, for me, Grealish should have started the away game in Madrid um, just so that they could you know, target him and kick lumps out of him. <laughs> it, doesn't matter that, it doesn't matter that much that you know, if we missed him. Whereas like De Bruyne again, I, I just I just think he got the team selection wrong when you view it over both games. Mm-hmm. But consider it if you view the Liverpool game in isolation after what happened in Madrid, then he was pretty much forced to, like as Kieran said. Yeah, do you think? Uh, I mean, this is the second year in a row we've we've basically tossed off the FA Cup semi final. Essentially, uh, KC. Do you think maybe the the squad at City is a little bit too small to compete on on three or four fronts at the moment? You know, obviously the lack of a striker has been well documented, but people don't talk as much about the the fact they've not signed a left back for several years now, and they they seem very thinly stretched in defence, particularly. Yeah, the the I think I think you know. The, the two worst players, and I've been saying it all season, the two worst players for us to get injured uh, for any amount of time are, are Rodri and Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, there's, there's no like for like for Rodri because, you know, as as un- unbelievable a player he's been over the years, Fern- Fernandinho's legs have gone. Um, and Walker being out just means that there's absolutely, there's, there's nothing left really at fullback because... Um, Cancelo's played an incredible amount of games and obviously Zinchenko's been out of favour this season. But Walker's just a machine um, and he, he can play th- you know, three times a week for a full season, you know, no bother at all. Um, whereas I don't feel that Cancelo can. So I, I think you know he needs a rest as much as anyone else, just like a normal player. It's more a comment on how superhuman Walker is that than anything else. So he, I, I definitely feel that we need it. It doesn't necessarily need to be a left back because of how well Cancelo can play, but we do need a, at least one full back, and we need we need a, a Fernandinho replacement, um, even more so than a striker for me. And I know, obviously, we'll probably talk about uh, the striker that does seem to be coming in later on. But those those two positions for me are, are far more key than anything else. But you know, knowing us, we'll probably sign another attacking midfielder for the crowd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you, Kieran, about Fernandinho. You know, he he played the full ninety minutes here. He was he was seeming in pretty late to a few tackles at times. Looked a little bit off the pace. You know, still d- did a job. But d- did this performance perhaps show why he's not been used more often this season? Yeah, I mean, he's he's as old as the hills now, really, isn't he? He's just getting on. I mean, I, I don't want him to leave that much because it, there's no city players who are older than me left. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Maybe Scott Carson, actually, yeah. <laughs> Keep him forever. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I think, uh, I, I, you know, I think Fernandinho's game is done, really, isn't it? Um, mm. 
quite clearly he's an unbelievable leader off the pitch and when he's on the pitch as well. Um, but, I mean, you're looking at that Liverpool midfield and you're looking at Fernandinho in there and you're just thinking they're going to run rings around him. Whereas four or five years ago, you were like, you know, he's he's going to control this whole game from there. Um, he was good for... He was good for the first goal, I think. Um, for the Grealish goal, he sort of let uh, Jesus free, didn't he? With a lovely mm. like ball and that set him in, off in behind. And you kind of miss him for that because some of his passes that break the lines have been really, really good. But in terms of that sort of midfield enforcer, um, his legs have just gone. He's 37 next month or something, isn't he? So, yeah. Um, yeah, he's just knackered. He's had a great career and he's been an unbelievable servant for us. And he's a great club captain as well. But... Um, yeah, it feels like he's just a bit rusty now and a bit uh, a bit too old for the for the sort of cut and thrust of the way City are going to play. Yeah. Which really, which is really sad. But I mean, age catches up with us all, doesn't it? Really, like, I mean, how mu- how much how much would a mid twenties Fernandinho now be worth? <laughs> oh no, it just it just be off the skit. Like, I'd like I'd absolutely look like give me. You know, we signed him when he was twenty eight, and I remember people saying, "Oh, he's too old." Mm. He's been here like what nine years yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I'd absolutely love to have you know prime Fernandinho for another five years because, I like I say, as Rodri's been one of our best players this season for me, but he's 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 not touched the heights of what Fernandinho was what three or four years ago. Whatever, uh-huh. just just a superb footballer. Yeah. Yeah, you wonder whether he could have been used a bit more in, in other games this season. You know, I'm thinking sort of like Burnley away a couple of weeks ago. Maybe that would have been a good opportunity to play him. And you know, he's all, he's obviously going to struggle against Liverpool's midfield. Everyone does. Mm. So it just seems mm. like it's maybe another example of Guardiola perhaps not quite managing his resources well enough. But he knows better than us, I guess. Or, 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 yeah, or even last night, I suppose. Yeah. Well, let's talk about last night then, because City did beat Brighton 3-0. It was Pep Guardiola's 250th win as City manager, which is a, a pretty extraordinary number, really. Um, we talked a little bit about how how worried we, we were at half-time. KC, do you think the second half showed that we can trust this team to get the job done and, and perhaps pe- people need to chill out a bit? Uh, well, it, it, is, it is easier said than done telling people to chill out because, you know, I'm a nervous Nelly myself <laughs> at the best of times, so I don't want to be telling people... No, I don't want to be telling people what to do, but 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 last 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 night it, it did feel that, um, yeah, pe- people were very very edgy throughout the first half, um, but but like you say, you can't always trust the team to get it, you know, because, uh, that 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 Palace game, I was losing my mind, <laughs> so um, and 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 they didn't get it done, um, and it's just I, I think like Kieran was talking about like Liverpool's momentum before as well, like that just puts like additional pressure on you. And I think most people think, you know, oh, if we don't win every game, then that's it. Mm-hmm. It's done. Like, like, and and that is incredible pressure. Um, but I, I think we've got it in us to win every game from now on. I don't know what you two feel. What, what do you think, Dan? I do actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't like to uh, make any bets about it, really. But you look at the fixtures we've got; they're all winnable games, aren't they? At any point of the season, you would say you'd fancy City to win those games. Doesn't always work out that way, but. I think we've got a we've got an easier task ahead of us than Liverpool. I suppose what complicates things a little bit more this year compared to the eighteen nineteen season is that we've also got the Champions League to contend with. Yeah. So that might be that might be different. What what do you think, Kieran? Do you do you fancy us to, to go and do it? Looking at the games on paper, they're definitely winnable. Um the teams that we've dropped points against this season have all been um against four teams home and away. So Liverpool, Palace, Southampton and Spurs. Everybody else we've beaten in you know the the previous fixture. So if we can just replicate what we've done already against these next six teams, 
uh, we, we should be all right, shouldn't we? Yeah. Um, luckily, I think West Ham might be distracted by Europa League commitments. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about Leeds, uh, yeah. just because they're on a sort of new manager bounce, and I think it's sandwiched in between the Madrid fixtures, isn't it? Uh, but, I mean, I think Liverpool do also on paper have trickier tasks they've got a derby which you know you never know which way that will go uh, they've got Conte Spurs to play who as we know um, can can turn it on and, and come up with a result uh, so they've got yeah. Newcastle away that's a tough one Newcastle oh, on a yeah. six game winning streak at home aren't they at the moment yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, we've we've got Newcastle at home don't we yeah um, yeah so and I think New, New, Newcastle, Newcastle nearly did us a favour in eighteen nineteen. That game was a bit of a robbery, <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, Origi scored, didn't he, at the, the last minute? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was looking on Twitter at half time uh, of the game last night, and I I don't normally do that because people annoy me at half time a bit on Twitter when they're sort of making yeah. c- drawing conclusions too early and stuff like that. Mm. But yeah. try standing next to Kieran. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'll, I'll try watching Neil Doyle take a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were uh, were saying, you know, we've got to score the goals here. That that Mares opportunity in the first half was a golden chance. We've got to score there. You know, then Mares scores the goal in the in the second half. It was all right with the aid of a deflection, but he took it pretty well. Do you think, Kieran, that Mares is, is City's most clinical finisher of the season? He's, he's the top scorer, of course, and, and should he therefore be starting every game between now and the end of the season? Yeah. Uh, it's a weird one with Mares because you would you would never sort of think. I, I think he's had like thirty one goal involvements, which seems to be a bit of a thing these days. Yeah. Um, goals and assists together. So, like most definitely, he's a clinical finisher. He's unbelievable to look at and watch play. And he, his touch, um, his vision, his finishing—it just absolutely outstanding. But still, there's something about this city team where he's still not first name in the t- team sheet. I don't think. Um, and he's not always your go-to man to pull you out of the shit, but you know he's he's quite consistent. Um, he's got loads, as I said, of goal involvements this year, um, and I, I love him the bits. But it's an interesting one because you know he won't shine in every single game. Sometimes we'll need you know a Grealish out there or a Sterling out there or a Jesus out there. So it's it's a it's a nice problem to have that you don't always need your go-to man who's your top scorer because it's just. It's just the way Pep operates and the way the City team's set up. Yeah. Well, one player who will almost certainly be starting every game between now and the end of the season is Kevin De Bruyne. This was his uh, his 300th City appearance. He had a he had a great game, man of the match performance. He, uh, he looks very determined, doesn't he, Casey? He, he, he does, yeah. Um, it, it, like, I, I love it. You know when you, you know when you just see, see him like getting angry and just like, <laughs> you know, that furrowed brow? Then you just know he's going to have a belting game. Do you know Let what me I mean? Talk. And, and he's, he, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he seems, he just seems to, he just seems to be in the zone at the moment, doesn't yep. he? Um, and like, is is there is there a finer sight than like when when we have eventually broken a team down, it, like towards like you know a second half of a game, and they're trying to attack us like a very brief attack. And you just get the sight of a galloping Kev, you yeah. know, down the middle of the pitch going against him. It's just like it's absolutely glorious to watch, isn't it? Yeah. Um. And it, it it's just uh yeah. I just I just love him to bits. The uh just a fantastic player. Didn't that uh, that rest at the weekend might have done him a bit of good actually? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And then um, Pep's decision but, to leave, leave him on the bench is vindicated then when he played so well last night and was 
fresh and you know the stitches in his foot seem to have um sorted yeah. themselves out like that that was just mammoth performance last night yeah it's like uh like uh, for me last night i thought i thought bernardo was was the best player on the pitch so did but I, I, I was surprised but but i i was i was surprised he did he didn't get a rest last night because he's just he just plays all the time mm. um and, and and you would have thought like um that, that like last night would have been a perfect game for Grealish really um but I'm I'm assuming that Sterling and Grealish come back in at the weekend, mm-hmm. um, considering it's Watford. But um, yeah, you, you would have thought last night would have been tailor made for giving Bernardo a rest finally. Yeah, I don't know about you two, but I'm still not wholly convinced by De Bruyne, Gundogan, and Bernardo all on, all on the pitch at the same time. It seems a bit imbalanced to me. I was saying that on the way in. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I think that that is then compounded by the fact that I think Gundogan's in rotten form yeah. the past the past mm. the past few months. Um, he, it just he, seems like none just, of the th- I, one of them always kind of fails to shine when all three of them play. Yeah. So one of them has a stinker mm. of a game out of the three of them when all three of them are on the same pitch at the same it, time. It seems like De Bruyne, uh, sorry, Gundogan takes the the sort of back seat role, doesn't it, a little bit? Yeah. And, and for me, last season was his best season for City when he was getting oh, yeah, further yeah. forward and he was getting mm. into the box mm-hmm. a lot more. And mm-hmm. he's he's not allowed to do that anymore. And it's a bit of a shame, really. I would like to see just one of those two, uh, two of those three players on the pitch at any one time, really. But yeah. And, and and I do think partly as well, like you know, even though you know we've been winning the past few games, um, I think he has obviously the fact that he's changed from playing Foden in the middle to playing him out wide. I think as much as you get, you know, the extra that you get from playing Foden out wide, we definitely lose something off the press from not playing him up the front, mm. which then gives them three less space to have as well. Um, but because it, it's like um, De Bruyne still manages to find it most of the time. But you even saw in the second half of the Liverpool game at home, like Liverpool found a way to cut him off getting the ball most of the time. Mm. Um, and I felt that was because of the lack of Foden pressing from the front. And obviously that was tactics-wise by having Foden and Jesus pressing their full-backs. Mm. And, you know, that's the reasoning behind it. So, you, you know, you're gaining in one way and taking away another. But I feel like that's part of the reason why there's less space for them as well. And when there's less space, Bernardo is that sort of... Because he's... You know he can do all the dribbling. I think that's where he can he can do both. He can come into his own. He can play deep like he did in the eighteen nineteen two one win against Liverpool, where he covered every blade of grass, mm. or he can play further forward and dribble all throughout the pitch. And I think that's where those aren't Gundogan's strengths. His strengths are passing it, giving it, and going and getting in the box, as you said, Dan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, quick word on the the defence, uh, Kieran. Uh, great to have Diaz back, isn't it? Who's your preferred centre back partnership when everyone is fit and available? Uh, yeah, it was great to see him back. I, I came down after the halftime pints and saw him on the pitch and was just like, oh, that is a sight for sore eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, Dan, because I've always just loved the Diaz and Stones partnership. Can I just say a word on John Stones, actually? He is incredible at the moment. Oh, Absolutely wonderful. Magnificent. That's right, back in the league. Oh, like he's, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's only made 13 appearances in the Premier League this season. Like he didn't, he didn't appear in the league. Yeah. Do you remember until like October? It's been a weird season for him in that regard. Really hasn't weird it? Yeah. season, and he's just like he's taken it all on. And I mean, he's he's benefited from Diaz's injury, um, but he is so assured, and he's such a leader on the pitch. And he just every time you see him with the ball, he just looks so comfortable and and, and confident with it. Um, but yeah, Diaz kind of like it's so it's so notable when Diaz comes on and you know just the physicality and the strength, and then you know whenever there's a corner coming in. Um, 
him marshalling the defence and pointing at everywhere else, everybody else where to go. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but he loves hoisting up his shorts when the corners about. Have <laughs> yeah. seen that? Uh, <laughs> he just loves exposing his thighs and holding on dead tight to his shorts whenever whenever a corner's coming in. So, uh, <laughs> if, if you had thighs like that, wouldn't you? Absolutely, yeah. I would, like <laughs> sex on legs, that man, isn't he? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, apart apart from those lovely calves and thighs, it was uh, it was great to see him back on the pitch for um, you know for this run. And I think we're going to need him uh, and a leader, especially with with their, our defenders dropping like flies last night as well. With Ake and Stones both sort of uh, f- feeling tight and, and limping off to a degree, were they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, with City's promotion push in the year 2000 beginning to stall, manager Joe Royal brought in a deadline day signing to try and give the team a boost. Defender Spencer Pryor arrived from Derby and immediately the team returned to winning ways and tightened their grip on second place in Division 1. David Mooney's been speaking to the centre-back and in this first part he talks about his arrival and getting the club back to the Premier League. I could sense that there was something going on in terms of the players and a bit of fatigue and that, that expectation to win week in, week out that, you know, had come from getting promotion from League One to the Championship and then in the Championship at the start, the fans have that, that, that they have that expectation even then to, to keep going on a ride. So I didn't sense a, a case of panic that was going on with the players at the time. Um, it was a great bunch of lads and the real, you know, they, they, they were just enjoying their football. And, of course, they wanted to win, but they also knew that they should be winning. So, yeah, I didn't sense uh, uh, any anxiety in that side of it within the change room. Yeah, and then, obviously, the next couple of games, uh, you turn into a bit of a goal-scoring centre-off. Uh, you score, you kept scoring after after you arrived. The first one was against Crew, then it was three in four games. How did that happen? Like, dead set. I mean, I've got no idea how that happened. And it's something that... You know, even looking back on it now, the goals were really were were at times really important, but that that was something that was not in my locker. I wasn't bought in for that. Um but it was always good to contribute, you know, and, and score the odd goal where when needed. And yeah, I didn't even I didn't even it wasn't even something when I was going up for free kicks and corners, I'm thinking, oh, I'm I'm on a roll here, I'm gonna score again. Um you know, there were other centre-halves that I played with that, that had that ability right throughout their career, whether that was the likes of Andy Morrison or Steve Howey or even going into back to South End with players like Adam Barrett or Igor, you know, of Derby. They, those those centre-backs that really, really scored lots of goals. I mean, not in my locker, but it helped and it contributed something. So, yeah, I... Um, I embraced it while it while it happened, but it wasn't something that I thought would ever be repeated again. Hey, let's talk about that um, that Friday night game against Birmingham, the uh, the second to last game of the season. Um, it's a really tight game. City go and win it one nil. Uh, did you think it, that it was job done at that point? The fans run on the 100%. pitch. Are you, are, you, are you thinking it's it's done? We're up. Yeah, a hundred percent. We were looking for. We were done. Like that was. We'd already talked about. Winning, you know, we if we win the game, we, we'd already uh, the conversation had happened. Like we we thought, if we win this game, we're up, right? The conversation had been done to the point that a couple of us had said, "Oh, it'd be right funny if we can rock up at Blackburn and wear gazelles to play in and just like proper cruisy." But 
as it turned out, I mean, we we obviously went on and nicked it at the end, but when 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 Ipswich then went and won at Charlton, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, so to, to, to Charlton top of the league, Ipswich uh, third, and, and like you, you're not expecting them to go to Charlton. It wasn't. Do. It really wasn't. Look, I've got to be honest. My recollection of games, I, I reckon, uh, I, I really struggle to have recollection of, of games and stuff. But that whole run in is something that, yeah, I will remember that. And yeah, we jagged it at the end against Birmingham. We thought we'd done it, and then we were all watching, and we couldn't believe. Ipswich have gone and beaten Charlton at Charlton, sent it to the Blackburn game. I, I honestly thought, both physically and mentally, that the players, you know, I, I, I honestly went into the Blackburn game thinking it was going to be something that would have been beyond us. And that's no disrespect to any of the boys, but I think the mental fatigue that had been building up thinking we'd done it, to then go again for another week was, I thought, potentially something that would have been too much. And did it did it did it start that way? Because like like you, you think of that Blackburn game. Blackburn were, were on top for a good for the first half. So was that was that one of the contributing factors, do you think? Look, we didn't do anything special in a week to prepare for that Blackburn game. I've got to be honest, it was a normal training week. There was no there was no big hoo-ha. We might have been scrambling around to get a couple of tickets, but it was a normal week. It wasn't being treated as a cup final. It was just a normal training week. And Willie and Joe were, were brilliant at that, at maintaining that it would just be a normal week, right? So standard training week, nothing special. Um, got into the game. And, and you know what? You might be right that the first half was just the... Just the, the it kind of went over our head and we we tried to stay in the game as much as we could. I think the week before, Charlton had got promoted at Blackburn. Graham Sooners said like, or two weeks before, they got promoted at Blackburn and Graham Sooners had said, no team is going to come here and repeat that. Like, this is our, our fortress and we don't, we don't want that. So the motivation for Blackburn wasn't just to, to stop Man City getting promoted. It was to stop that, that whole repeat of teams and clubs celebrating at Ewood Park. And they, and they can't, they, everyone knows the game, right? They, they smashed us first off. They absolutely annihilated us. And they were hitting the bar and the post and the ball was bouncing back into Weaves' hands off the post. We were just like, rabbits in a headlight but we got in and I can't say there was any any incredibly motivational speech from Joe at half time we all just kind of sat there and were like what just happened we just somehow we're still in this game um, and and then we went out and, and the, the, the rest is history right yeah, I, I remember. I remember chatting to uh, Nicky Weaver about that game, uh, and he said the the moment where Ashley Ward hit the post and it dropped back into his hands, he just thought, I, "We can't lose this game." <laughs> oh no! And I played with Wardy. At, uh, I played with Wardy at Norwich, and you could tell, like, it wasn't an end of season game that these boys were ready to get on a plane and go off to Magaluf for La Manga or wherever they wanted to go on their holidays. They were pumped. They were so pumped. To, to try and beat us. Oh, they were more pumped to win the game than we were pumped to win the game. And that's not, 
that's not that we didn't want to win it. It was just you could tell they were so, so up for it. And I can't say, I won't say it wasn't that we were up for it. We just couldn't compete with them in the first half. Um, no matter what we tried, it was, it was, yeah, it was a constant battle. I think the defining point was once we scored, when we got the first goal, and we actually just really then realised, um, you know, that the, the amount of people we had in the stadium, that was like a, a, a massive motivator and a huge lift. But also, they, they'd gone. That was them then. That was them um, starting to think about their holidays. But, you know, we, we scored two goals super quick. And, yeah, double Double killed him. Double killed yeah. him. Did, did you did you know on the pitch that Ipswich were winning as well? Did you did you know that you had to get the job done? No, no, not at all. I, I didn't. Some of them might have. You know, people like Mark Kennedy were really close to Joe that, uh, uh, playing down that side. I he might have known, but no, I didn't. I didn't get a sense of it at all. I didn't get a sense from the crowd. It, it was just. It was like you go into a little zone as a player and you're just concentrating on what's going on on the pitch here at the in this moment. And it was that sort of game. Yeah. Just trying to win your own battle and stay in the game. And once we scored the first and we got the second really quickly, you know, the, the, the Christian Dalian goal really set it off as well. And it was just, yeah, the, 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 the sail had gone from, or the wind had gone from their sail. And it was just, I wouldn't say it then became party time once we got the, the third goal then you the boys doing the, the conga down the, the the far side it was um it was it was a moment to sort of partly enjoy and embrace and celebrate what was going on but also at the same time you know myself and players like like myself who was a I still want had a job to do because I didn't want to, you know, we didn't want them to get back into the game. So it was really crucial they didn't get back in. I'd also at one point, I think they'd had a set piece and um, Ashley Wall tried an overhead kick and volleyed, and, and he was trying to overhead kick and I'd come over the top of him and headed it and he volleyed me right in the kidneys. And it was like, oh, and I've gone down and I was absolutely smashed. Uh, I, I've got to be honest, it, it I was carrying that for the last 20, 30 minutes and trying to stay in the game and trying to stay concentrating because it was it, it was probably one of the, the, the most excruciating pains in the, as an injury I'd had. But there was no way I was going to leave the pitch because of, you know, I wanted to be there at the end and celebrate with everybody. Yeah, I was going to ask what that was like because, uh, I mean, all four sides of Ewood Park were filled with City fans. There was the pitch invasion. They were all on the hill. So so, so what what was it like as soon as that final whistle went? I couldn't get off the pitch. The other boys, like, for the first, that was the quickest I'd ever seen Bish run. Like, dead set, he, was, he wasn't the fastest, but it was the fastest I'd seen him run to get to the changing room. But I was stuck on the pitch. I'd gone, I couldn't get off. And I literally... By the time I got off the pitch, I all I had on was my pants. Like the boys were lucky enough to, the fans were lucky enough to leave me wearing my pants, but my boots and shot socks and my, all my kit had gone. I got down to the tunnel and and like I said, I'm still in, I'm I'm struggling, I'm still in a lot of pain, and and uh, I'm 
I'm emotionally drained, completely drained from um, the experience and, and not just that one game, but the, mag- the, the cumulative nine games, the concentration that was needed. I'm just done. I'm spent. Um, I remember at the time um, getting grabbed by a journalist who is now one of my closest friends, Simon Hill, who's now working down in, in, in Oz. He came, he came up to me, and I, I didn't even know him at the time, gave us a great big wet kiss on the cheek, and that was it. And I'd gone in the change room. By the time I got in, the boys are all popping champagne and doing all sorts of bits like they, they were. But, yeah, I was stuck on the pitch for quite a long time. So, uh, yeah, mentally gone, shot, but relieved. I think the biggest sense of uh, emotion would be relief. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Part two of that interview will be on next week's podcast and then an extended version will be available for all Patreon backers after that second part has gone live too. Uh, Let's look ahead to the games coming up now. We've got Watford at home in the Premier League on Saturday at three o'clock, followed by Real Madrid at home in the first leg of the Champions League semi-final tie on Tuesday at eight o'clock. We'll start with the Watford game. KC... It looks like a pretty easy three points for City this on paper, doesn't it? But do you, do you kind of worry more about facing teams who are fighting for the life at this stage of the season than those who are, don't have much to play for? Uh, are Watford fighting? Like <laughs> they they don't seem they 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 don't seem to be. Um, and then the, the 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 only thing is obviously it, it's nothing to do with like the relegation. It, it's just the Hodgson fact, factor from um, that three two where we were two 0 up years ago against Fulham and we came back and won three. Bloody hell, we're going that, back that, a few that, years now. <laughs> I know that's that that's that's the only niggle in the back of my mind. Like it, you know, in reality, I reckon we score a, a couple, at least two or three in the first half, and then just walk the rest of the game out. That's that should be how Saturday goes. Um, I, I can't really see it going any other way. Um, the, the shite, aren't they? <laughs> they are, to be fair, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll give you that one. I mean, the, the goal difference is now, it's currently plus six in Liverpool's favour. Do you think this has to be looked at as an opportunity to make up the difference or is that a bit cocky to say that? Are we tempting fate? I, 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 can't, I can't see Guardiola looking at it like that. Because um, I, I, th- I think the only time anyone's ever gone for the goal difference is that, that Chris Stambull game on it. <laughs> yeah. where, uh, Liverpool tried to score 10. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 they were like 3-0 up and Suarez was grabbing the ball out of the net to bring it back the halfway line. <laughs> what a night that was. I know, man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, uh, the record versus Watford is actually very good. We've got 14 consecutive wins in all competitions against them, uh, by my count. Does that embolden you, uh, Kieran, or does that uh, concern you a little bit, that a run like that has to end sometime? Uh, yeah, I suppose in this current context, it, it emboldens me, I think, Dan. Um, I've watched us beat Watford 8-0 a couple of seasons ago, and it was just, they were so, so inept. Um and I mean, I don't want to be cocky. I don't. I don't like being like that as a city fan. Um, it's not kind of the way I, I've I've ever supported my club. Um, but you would like to think we have enough in the tank to to beat them. They look dead and buried. They look um, they look finished and and ready for another season in the championship before they invariably join us again the following <laughs> season. Um, but yeah, with I Norwich. Mean, yeah, yeah, with Norwich. Yeah, uh, Fulham passing them on the way down the other direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. I mean, I, I I do think I do think we should have enough to beat Watford. We should take this as a as a game to to really show our stuff. And you know, 
after after the trauma of those uh, back-to-back Liverpool and Atletico games, you know, um, Brighton was quite a nice game, second half, certainly. And then Watford at home, I mean, we should be doing it. Um, it and this should be seen as an opportunity to, to rest and rotate a little bit and, and be a bit streetwise with the squad. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Casey, what sort of team selection would you like to see here? Is this a good opportunity to maybe get likes of uh, Grealish and Gabriel Jesus on the pitch, maybe? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Grealish, Sterling, Jesus, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, t- two out of them. Uh, uh, Grealish definitely needs minutes for me. Um, and then uh, p- potentially Fernandinho yeah. instead of Rodri, give Rodri a bit of a break. Uh-huh. Um, at, at the back, it's just going to be whoever's fit, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you can you could see Stone starting right back, couldn't you? You could, and you wouldn't be too worried about that at all, would you? No, no, not at all. No, no, like he's uh, he's uh, he's he's absolutely magnificent. I absolutely love John Stones to bits. Yeah, I do. I'd be happy to see Zinchenko coming as well. I thought his uh, his his awareness for the third goal was really good against against Brighton last night, and uh, I'd like to see him play a bit more between yeah. the yeah. season. I see. I I missed that goal. I was at the toilet when Bernardo scored, so I like sprinted back and I saw the replay on the screen. And I thought it was De Bruyne who won the ball, but then it was De Bruyne who gave the assist as well. And I was like, what the? I've seen double here. Four De Bruyne's. She's <laughs> uh, like, he's everywhere that man. What a superhero. Uh, yeah, so, but no, what, a, what awareness. And I mean, I mean, you don't want to go too deep into it, but with all the stuff that must be in Zinchenko's head at the minute and yeah. how, how kind of like uh, out of favour he's been and... Um, he was a bit rusty against Liverpool on Saturday, I thought, but what awareness and what reading of the game to to break in and get that when he was massive for that third goal. It was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, we have got Real Madrid coming up on Tuesday. Do you think, uh, Kieran, we can we can afford to prioritise one over the other at this stage or does it have to be all guns blazing for every game, basically? Uh, I'm a sort of mixture of both just by the fact that it's Watford. Um, and again, I don't want to write them off and, and, you know, anybody can beat anybody in this league. But if ever there was a game to look at to go, right, we need a little bit of rotation here and a little bit of rest for certain players. Um, it's it's We have to look at this Watford game to go, right, whoever's playing on Tuesday against Real Madrid in the semi-final of the Champions League, um, they need to be prioritised and rested or, or certainly um, certainly given a few minutes to get a, you know, a bit of running in their legs. But... Um, yeah, it, it, he needs to be smart with the squad. And I think what I am envisioning was the reason why he wasn't, perhaps in some people's eyes, as smart with the squad against Liverpool in the Cup was that he was thinking about Watford and Real Madrid in the leagues, yeah. league, Champions League. Yeah, I think so too, yeah. Speaking of the uh, the Champions League, KC, how, how desperate are you to win it? Because I I get asked this question by colleagues at work, you know, international colleagues, and they just don't believe me when I say that I would rather win the Premier League this year if I, if I had the chance. I'm, 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 I'm exactly the same as you, I'd rather win. To be honest with you, I want to win it more this year um, just to stop getting that sodding question, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. um, like, 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 I genuinely would rather win the league and people, yeah, it's just, uh, it's it, it, it just get the monkey off the back and just, just, yeah, just, Idiots asking you daft questions, like you know, it it, it does me head in. Yeah. Also, as well, like we are, like if if we if we did the double of that, then that that'd be great because we we can't we can't let them win it all. Like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> no. Oh God, the cover the coverage. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. 
It would be time yeah. to go to bed for about oh. two weeks, wouldn't it? If that yeah, happened, we'd never hear the end of it for the rest oh. of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> are oh, are you worried, Kieran, about the possibility of, of facing Liverpool in the final? Um, I mean, I, I, I wanted to, t- to touch on something that I know David Mooney has a bit of a theory about uh, United in the, the, the start of the decade. You know, we had to beat them in the FA Cup uh, semi-final to win our first trophy, beat them to the league title. Is, is there a bit of that with Liverpool? Do we have to beat them to win the Champions League? Is that how we overcome this, uh, this hurdle? Yeah. Uh, that's a nice way of looking at it. I suppose the, the symbolism of beating our, you know, people are saying we're the two best teams in the world. Um, I know an old, was it Hulk Hogan's uh, catchphrase, to be the best, you have to beat the best. <laughs> was it Hulk Hogan, Casey? I, I don't know, mate. <laughs> Brother. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's um, that, that's it, isn't it? We Like, if we're going to, if we're going to stop them, um, we need to beat them in the Premier League, and if and if we need to beat them in the Champions League final, um, then so be it. We haven't beat them this season, and you know, in many. I think I think I think I think we do them in the Champions League final if we get there. Yeah, I think we I think we probably learned a lot about ourselves from last year's Champions League final, um, and we're due a win against them this season because it's been two draws and a defeat. So uh, if we do meet them in the final, I mean, Real Madrid are no walkover, are they? No, that's it. Yeah. No, no. Oh, Villarreal! Jesus, it's like they've got. It's an easier draw than we got. Bur- Burton, Albion, in <laughs> the bloody Carling Cup semi. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they're se- they're seventh in La Liga. Benfica, Villarreal. It's just like fucking hell. No Inter, Mil- Inter Milan before that. Mm. Inter Milan before that, who were rubbish as well. <laughs> but. Uh, well, yeah, we'll you know we'll we'll get one draw against the top of the championship team and be told that we've bloody rigged the thing off. Oh, yeah. Jesus, do you, <laughs> Do you feel confident about overcoming Real Madrid, Casey? Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think we should. Yeah, um, obviously, Benzema is obviously the big worry, and um, and the fact that you know Ancelotti's been there and done it. You know, God knows how many times he's he's is he won it three times. I, I might be getting that wrong, um, but apart from that, that you know. They're not what they were. They're a pretty poor team. Um, you know, Chelsea must be kicking themselves that the uh, that 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 the uh, they got knocked out in the last round. Really, what were your thoughts on the uh, the ticket pricing for this game, Kieran? I, I saw our, our friend John Hay saying on Twitter that it's it's a lot to pay for what is basically half time of a two legged tie. You know, you're not going to see any anything decided on the night. He's not wrong there, mm. is he? Really? No, he's not. How, how much were we talking? Like sixty quid or something? Was it fifty five? Something like that? I think it was mm. in that region. Yeah. <sighs> I mean. This, the sad thing is that there's just no surprise about that, you know. They're going to look at it and go, this is a massive A-category game against, uh, you know, a massive sort of team of superstar Galacticos uh, in the semi-final of the Champions League. And they'll just think to themselves, we can charge what we want and we'll charge an arm and a leg. Um, the, the, the game has been for a long time just getting out of hand money-wise and, you know, regular fans, regular working-class fans, um particularly sort of like Manchester natives are going to be in, in so many ways priced out of a game like that. But, uh, you know, some, some tourist will fill their seat and yeah. they, they know they'll sell out the Etihad. Um, so, I, like, I don't like the pricing, um, but I understand why they do it and they know they'll sell out. But it's just it's just a, a damn indictment of the way the game's gone in general. And that's a really good point from John that... It is only it is only one half of the tie, um, so paying all that money, it's just to go and see, you know, your your big players in a big game. It's not actually 
I mean, the, the last semi-final against Real Madrid at home was was a nil-nil. It was yeah. shite. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the tickets were dear then. Um, and you went along. I, one of KC's mates, actually, I I'd bought two tickets and one of KC's mates actually ended up taking it. You know, Rough Paul. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And... You know, at the end, when it was nil-nil, he was like, can I have my money back off? <laughs> and that's why they call him Rough Paul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but no, it's absolutely true. Like, you, you, you could pay all that money for a big game and then fucking nothing happens. So yeah. um, I just wish the game was, was cheaper all across the board. And it's just, it's it's we haven't even talk, touched upon, you know, City not selling out their, their quota of tickets at the weekend against Liverpool either. Um because the game is just too dear. Ticket prices are ridiculous. And the expectation to go all over the country and spend all this big money because we're in big big um, competitions, um, something has to give sometimes. And for many City fans, you know, our 19th trip to Wembley um, in 10 seasons was just... You know, it was just a step too far, you know. Yeah. So and there's a game every three days at the moment as well, and yeah, yeah. European away days and all that is ridiculous, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, just too much. Yeah. Anyway, it's charity bet time now. We're on one thousand three hundred forty pounds for the charity bet this season so far. William Hill is giving each of us a ten pound correct score single. The winnings are all going to the Man City fans food bank support which is helping the Trussell Trust tackle food poverty in Manchester. Uh, let's start with Watford. Uh, KC, what's your prediction? 6-1. Uh, 6-1, which is your traditional prediction for every game, but seems fairly realistic for this game, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. well, it's whether they get one is the, is the worry. <laughs> score, God, we, are, we are really tempted the football gods now. I know, we? yeah. Technology, isn't it? Like... Uh, well, that's, uh, that's the odds of 40-1 to one on that, so that will get you uh, £400. Uh, Kieran, for you? 3-0. Uh, 3 0, that's 5 to 1, so 50 pounds. And I'm going to go for 2 0, so that's 12 to 1, 120 pounds. For the Real Madrid uh, first leg, KC, what are you having? Yeah, I've, uh, I'm not going 6 1 because that just does feel too ridiculous. I've gone, <laughs> I've, gone th- I've gone 3 1. 3 1, keeping your emotions in check this time. Uh, that's 12 to 1, so 120 pounds. Kieran? Uh, 2 1 to City. 2 1, that's uh, 15 to 2, so 75 pounds. I'm going to go for 2 2 in that one, so it's uh, 16 to 1, 160 pounds if I'm right. Uh, remember, you have to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change, and for more on gambling responsibly, take a look at begambleaware.org. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. Now it's time for the final part of the show uh, where you can get your questions into us. It's Ask the Panel. Uh, if you want to submit a question, the, the Twitter is at Blue Moon Podcast or you can visit the website, send us an email. Uh, it's bluemoonpodcast.com. Uh, the first one this week comes from the wonderfully named Bertiful South on Twitter. Uh, he says, uh, could Liam Dillap be used at any time this season, for example, to give others a rest in the running or a last throw of a dice in an important game? Uh, now he was on the bench against Liverpool at the weekend, which maybe would have been a, a good opportunity to put him on. He didn't get on, and then he was not on the bench against Brighton. What do you reckon, Casey? Uh, yeah, I, I thought the Liverpool game he was he was worth a shout for the last ten minutes. Um, the fact that he didn't get on, I don't think you'll see him this season. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I wonder what the future holds for him. Really, we're going to talk about the, the strikers that might be coming in the summer. You know, we've got we've got Erling Haaland seems pretty likely. That they're, they're going to have a look at Julian Alvarez, who they signed from River Plate. Do you worry about keeping all the players, the, the forward players, happy that we've got, including Liam Delap, Kieran? Yeah, I do. I, I, to echo what Casey's just said, I don't really know what the future holds for him. Um, what you know? What are we looking at here? Um, 
and that uh, this could open up a whole other debate about Pep's use of young players. Um, if if he wasn't that into the FA Cup and he was thinking about the squad for you know future games, wh- why not give some of the young players a run out, or you know maybe earlier in the cup competitions if if he's not going to prioritise it come the end of the season, use some of the youth players then. But I don't know what's ha- going to happen for the lap. Um, injuries have really uh, limited him this season because. Yeah, I mean, we've had two seasons now without a striker, really, haven't we? Aguero was was out for most of last year. Um, and then with Haaland and Alvarez presumably going to join up with us, Delap must be looking at it going, I'm never going to get a shot here. And it's sad because um, he's had a really good record um, you know, in youth team games. And it would be nice just to see him, somebody come through the academy, as always. It's always nice to see what they're like when put in the first team. But, um, yeah, I just worry that it's... He does, like look, a, he does, he does look good enough. He does look, he good, does enough, look good enough. Yeah, but is he going to get a shot? Um, I, 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 I think the only realistic thing is is a loan to a, to a uh, bottom half uh, Prem team next mm. season and then see see from there what happens. Mm, agreed, yeah. But, but speaking of Haaland, I mean, I haven't really thought too much about it yet because I'm not really allowing myself to believe it until it actually happens. I don't want to get yeah. carried away and, and get my fingers burnt, but it's pretty exciting, isn't it, Kieran, the possibility of him coming in the summer? Like, I feel like a giddy 12-year-old City fan again <laughs> about the prospect of a transfer. It's really, really weird. Like, I had a dream last year about us signing him where he was in a taxi with me and I showed him <laughs> around the fields behind my dad's house and he was like, <laughs> he was really what? impressed with my dad's fields. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I just—he's everything we're looking for, really, isn't he? Um, an absolute superstar. He's dead young, so we could really, really bleed, bleed him in and see some of his peak years with us. Uh, a clinical finisher, which we've been lacking. Um, a Bert as well. I like I, that picture of him <laughs> as a city fan. Uh, a bit of a legacy with his dad. Uh, I I always think to myself how nice it would be to see Roy Keane's face if uh, Alfinger Haaland's son comes in and just destroys United in a derby. (laughs) It would be be lovely poetic justice. Um, Yeah, he's just a a, a superhuman little mutant of a kid and I can't believe the goal record that he has at this early stage of his career. Um, And yeah, I, 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 I know that people are looking at the crazy wages that he's demanding and the, the agent fees and all that kind of stuff. But for once, I would just love us to throw absolutely everything at it and just secure his services because, I mean, I've I've actually really enjoyed watching City play with the false nine over the past two seasons, but mm. I just think, you know, there are times when we get found out a bit and it would just be lovely to, to, to see an absolute, you know, mega star joining us. Um, and he ticks a load of boxes for me. I'm so, so excited if we sign him. It would be amazing. Yeah, and uh, maybe this is a daft question to ask, but Casey, do you have any concerns about Haaland joining City? Uh, yeah. Long long term, no. But I I I worry. I I, I don't think he'd um, he'd bed in immediately like next season. Um, I think you know, like we've seen with most players, getting used to Pep's tactics um, takes a while. Uh, the fact that the weaknesses in his game are about link up play and all that sort of stuff, which is you know a real key component of how we play. Um, but I think you know his his undoubted absolute monstrous finishing ability. Um, he's great in the air, you know. Can can finish off either foot. Um, I think you know it, it won't be long until he's absolutely smashing him in. Um, but I, I my worry is just that people have the hopes built, you know, far too much and mm-hmm. expect the world off him immediately. That would be my only concern. 
Yeah, it's gonna the, the knives are gonna be out if we don't win the quadruple next season when we've got him, aren't they? It feels like. Yeah. But mm. I suppose the knives are sort of out anyway. So you just uh, mm-hmm. just gotta gotta get used to dealing with that pressure as a City fan these days. Uh, the final question this week comes from Sal Pimienta on Twitter. He says, "Do you think the City crowd are tame compared to others?" It gets mentioned a fair bit. Rio Ferdinand alluded to it after the Atletico match, and as a TV watcher, it seems obvious that there's just not much, not as much of a vocal support from the City supporters, even though there's evidently loads of them. Why is it? Could it be improved? And how? Uh, Kieran, what do you think? Oh, it's it's an interesting question that um, City fans have just been put through the ringer a little bit. It's such an easy go-to thing to target. Um, Rio Ferdinand, I, I was watching that game at home and it was such a cheap shot about the city, about the atmosphere at City. Um, I don't think the well, atmosphere... The man's an arsehole, isn't he? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I haven't been around too many grounds around the country and I also don't know what um what it'd be like to sit in the homestand at many of them because any games I've been to have obviously been away. But um I don't think the atmosphere is particularly, you know, poor in comparison to a, a whole load of teams. Um Liverpool have this real reputation that of being, you know, an unbelievable, like great home crowd. But I mean the thing you'll never walk alone at the start and then a few live Liverpool the whole way and that <laughs> yeah. feels like the only chant. Um, th- but I would say people who think Liverpool have got a great atmosphere have never been to Anfield. Well, yeah. Like, like say that that like like that 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 fella like who's saying like he's watching on telly. You you watching on telly, you're never going to get a feel for the atmosphere. Yeah, the atmosphere yeah. where we are is great. The, the atmosphere where we are is great. Yeah, um, it's it, it it's not going to be great everywhere because like the, this is the massive secret that the Premier League don't want to let you in on. The atmosphere in most ninety nine percent of grounds is shite for most games. Mm. It's 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 dead everywhere. If you go to Premier League, like Anfield's a complete myth, apart from like you know the odd big game or whatever. Um, and I do think that you know old style grounds do help with with that. You know the way that stands are set up, but we don't necessarily have where we are. But our our atmosphere is completely fine compared to everywhere else. I think. Yeah, yeah. it depends on the game, doesn't it? The the atmosphere for the Liverpool game a few weeks ago was incredible. I was yeah, there for it was that amazing. One and it was yeah, amazing. Yeah. But then yeah, you yeah. might go to Burnley at home, and it's it's not as fervent well last reasons, night really last night was quiet but that's because we were all just really jittery um, and like, wasn't it yeah. when uh ruben diaz and, and zinchenko were warming up it was you know the, the loudest applause of the night you could hear it over in that section of the ground like you could hear that applause for them warming up over there you know louder than anything else that had gone last night apart from obviously the goal celebrations and that um but we were all so nervous the first half that you could have heard a pin drop it was really really touchy and that just like you have to look at the atmosphere in the context of the games as well if that was you know if that was an eight o'clock kickoff against Liverpool or United it would have the place would have been bouncing but you know it's a nervous game against you know opposition who aren't full of superstars who we don't have a kind of like heated rivalry with it is it is going to be quiet there was loads of singing in the second half there was loads of singing in the second half that's because we, you know, we're, we're, we're winning then. I don't want to go down the old cliche of like you only mm. sing when you're winning, but I think we were so <laughs> nervous in the first half that you, you couldn't really bring yourself to sing that much because you were just shitting yourself a bit. It was just, <laughs> it was too nerve wracking to want to bring yourself to really sing. There was loads of come on city and like encouraging chants like that. But in terms of, um, in terms of like the actual atmospheric kind of, um, everybody was too worried. I would say a strange thing happened when we went 1 0 up. People around us started singing the Zabaleta song. Uh, <laughs> like, I think I think we 
need some new chance for our players. Um, <laughs> Mares has just scored to put us 1-0 up. He's our top scorer this season. And we're singing about Pablo Zabaleta, who left us about five years ago. Uh, so, yeah, I loved um, I loved the uh, never felt more like singing the blues being broke out last night. Because even though most of us actually sort of wanted United to win against Liverpool, it was nice to just say, like, yeah. City win, United lose. Because <laughs> that's a, a, a timely reminder that they're shite still. <laughs> Well, what a perfect note to end the show on. <laughs> <laughs> One banana, two banana, three banana, four. Banana. <laughs> banana, four. <laughs> we didn't do too bad, did we, boys? I think I think we did David Mooney proud today. I hope oh, so, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's been a true honour to be your host on this wonderful podcast, and I hope you all enjoyed it. Thanks to my guests, Kieran Clark. Cheers, mate. And Kieran Murray. Thank you, Blue. If you'd like some more podcasts to listen to or you'd like to listen to this show each week without the adverts, then you can sign up to our Patreon page. There's a bonus episode every Monday too and you can access the full archive by signing up for just £2 a month on patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Uh, David Moody will be back in the big chair next week to discuss how we got on against Watford and Real Madrid and look ahead to that trip to Elland Road. What a time to be alive it is. Is the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.